Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Amen. I want you to imagine that you're at the theater and the lights have been dimmed and there's that quiet that comes before the show begins. And in the back of the theater, you hear a shofar or in the production I was in, a baritone horn. And it does that call to prayer that you would hear in Israel. It goes, and you hear this voice. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And from the back of the theater comes John the Baptist with a bucket of water. And he begins calling people out of the seats and he baptizes them and they come all the way up to the front. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, you're in a production of Godspell. Let's go to a different theater. The lights come down. The orchestra plays the overture. And then the tenor gets up to sing. I have been that tenor on occasion. And you hear, comfort ye. Comfort ye my people. And it finishes with the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Then the orchestra plays every valley. Now, why does God spell choose to begin with John the Baptist? Why does Handel and the Messiah begin to, to choose to begin with Isaiah? Well, for two reasons. The first one is this. It's really good theater. It sets the tone for the entire production. The other thing is that people in Jesus' time, before Jesus was born, had no other way to find out that the good news was coming. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. We're going to do a little bit of Bible history, but the Gospel of Mark, the one we're working from right now, was written first. And Mark really felt that his target audience were the Romans. If you know anything about the Romans, they're people who get things done. They conquer countries and they build roads and they build roads and they conquer countries. And the roads that they built are still there. And the buildings that they built are still there. I uh, sang in a town called Spoleto and they built this aqueduct spanning an entire mountain valley. And guess what? It's still there. The Romans wanted to hear about the actions of Jesus. While we're reading through Mark for this liturgical year, you're going to hear him say the word immediately a lot. And if, if you read it literally, it sounds like Jesus and the disciples just ran, sprinted through the Holy Lands because he'll tell one story and then he'll say, and immediately whoosh, off they went to the next story. He begins with John the Baptist. He says the gospel of, John, of Jesus Christ begins with John the Baptist. 
calling the people to repentance. Now, it's interesting. The play Godspell is based on the Gospel of Matthew. I don't know if you knew that. But the composer and the lyricist decided to start with Mark. Why? Because it's good theater. It's calling us to attention. Luke was written really for the Greeks, and his is the most thorough gospel. Matthew was written for the Jews. It's got the most Old Testament quotes. And John wrote his gospel towards the end of the century. His was the last to be written. And there are seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the living water, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man... And the reason he did that was because people were beginning to wonder if Jesus was really God. Or was he just a good man? So, I am, in Greek, is ego ami, which in Hebrew would be translated Yahweh. So seven times in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am God. But we're not in that Gospel. Today we're in the Gospel of Mark. So what is John's message? John's message is pretty simple. Get ready. <laughs> if, if he were alive today, he'd have a big tally board behind him with how many days until Jesus was coming. And not shopping days till Christmas, but days that you have to repent before the Savior gets here. And as is as, is, as important as John is to the Christmas story, did you ever notice there's no... John the Baptist's Christmas cards, right? We get the ones that say rejoice and hope and love, but John's Christmas card would say repent and do it now. Well, nobody wants to hear that for Christmas. We want the hearts and the flowers. We want the Hallmark movie with the one kiss at the end, right? We, we want the good news. Well, the good news is that if you are a sinner and you repent, God forgives the word for repentance is metanoia. And that means literally to turn around or to change your mind. So John is calling the people to turn away from the lives they're living now and to turn towards God. Uh, Ambrose of Milan, a, a, a little-known saint, said this, True repentance is to cease from sin." I wrote myself a note here. Oh, in my class at school, and you've heard me say this before, you only get one I'm sorry. You get one. Why? Because I'm sorry is not an excuse to do it again. Have you met those folks? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, if you were really sorry, you would stop. And that's where John the Baptist is. If you truly are repenting, turn around and walk away from. And then he called the people to a baptism that was both actual and metaphorical. We've all sung the hymns about washing away your sin. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So John washed away the sin metaphorically, but he actually dipped them in the water as well. You have to trust somebody who's going to hold you under the water. It's not like you've all been dunked at least once against your will in your life. 
It is not a pleasant experience. And yet you are volunteering. Here I am in the Jordan River. Okay, John, hold me out under. There's some trust there. And John's other message is this. He is coming. In the din of the life's noise, John had to fight to be heard. In the din of life's noise now, Jesus is fighting to be heard. USC has a plaza on the center of campus. When I was in college, they called ours the quadrangle. You know why? Because it was a square, it was a quadrangle. And at lunchtime in USC, all the student groups can go out and they, they call people to join their group. And there's megaphones and microphones and shouting and posters. And one day in the midst of all this cacophony, a girl came out and sat right in the middle of the plaza with a sign that said, Silent Protest. And when a person came up and said to her, what are you protesting? She turned over the sign and it said, noise. <laughs> Another story, there's a, a town that was very annoyed that they had a salvation bell ringer. And if you've ever worked at a place near a salvation bell ringer, it can get a little uh, fingernails on the chalkboard. Hours and hours and hours of ding, 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 ding. So the town actually passed an ordinance that the Salvation Bell Ringer could not ring the bell. She showed up the next day with two signs. One said ding, and the other one said dong. And she spent the day going like this. And guess what? She made more money that day than any other day. In the din of life, the message is trying to be heard. And yet think of all the noise that's going on in our lives. We've got the news. We've got wars. We've got storms. Uh, the, my friend in Massachusetts is mourning the fact that she's going to get at least a foot, if not a foot and a half of snow today. Massachusetts has been slammed the last few years with weather. I don't know about you, but with all that rain, I had to keep going down the basement and see, see if I had to run the sump pump. You've got carols. You've got shopping. You've got, oh, we can deliver it to your house. We can deliver it to your friend's house. Uh, Grubhub yesterday, Vicky wasn't there, so I ordered food that she doesn't like to eat. They delivered it to the wrong house. My neighbor came over and said, I think this is yours. And there's so much going on. There's bills to be paid and cars to be bought and things to be fixed. And, and in the midst of this, John is calling them and us to get ready. John reminds us that Jesus is coming. Now, I forgot to tell you this last week, but this is the second in a series called The Announcements of Advent. Last week was the announcement for the future. This is the announcement from the wilderness. So let's say that COVID was gone and you were going to have a house guest. Somebody is coming to your house for dinner. Well, there's things you have to do. You have to vacuum and you have to sweep and you have to dust and you have to mop. You have to eliminate the clutter. You got to put all the stuff away and you got to put things in their proper place and make sure there's enough hangers in the closet when they get there. 
Well, John says, prepare the way of the Lord. You have a life guest coming. You need to clean out your life. You need to clean out the sin. You need to make amends to the people that your sin has hurt. You need to make God a priority. And you need to act on it. Too many people say, let's put Christ back in Christmas. And then they do make no effort to do that whatsoever. I want you to think about this. You're driving on a highway and there's a sign and it says right lane closed, 2,000 feet. Don't answer the question, but what do you do? And then there's another sign and it says right lane closed, 1,500 feet and 1,000 feet and 500 feet. And now you can see a big yellow arrow doing that boop, 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 pointing to the left. In other words, this lane is going to close. Now, when I was a young driver, I would move over. As soon as I saw that first sign, I would move into the left lane and I would slow down a little so there was room in front of my car. And sure enough, there were people who thought that those signs were lying to them and that the big blinking arrow was a mirage. And what do they do? They go all the way up the right until they get there and then they nose their way in. And then I read a study by the University of Pennsylvania. Did you know that those people who ignore the signs and go all the way up to the arrow and nose their way in get places faster than those of us who follow the rules? I want you to hear that. The people who ignore the signs actually get there faster. So poor John is living in a world, and we are living in a world, where people have learned that if you ignore the signs, they don't really matter to you. I can get there faster than all the people who follow the rules. In the din of life, John is calling us to hear the one thing that's most important. John asks us, are you ready for Christmas? Christianity is not something you talk and sing about. It's something that you do. Is your major Christian activity listening to sermons? John was not the only baptism of his day. And I want you to, to hear this. There are many religions that have a ritual washing. In fact, I had the opportunity when I was in Israel to go to the Qumran community. That's the community that preserved the Dead Sea Scrolls. And as we're walking through the desert, right in the middle of the desert, there's this big, huge, empty swimming pool. I mean, it was the size of your backyard in-ground pool with steps going down into it. So one pastor who was on the pastor's trip who says things that he probably shouldn't say out loud, said, look, they had their own swimming pool. And the tour guide said, well, it's not exactly a swimming pool. It's for ceremonial washing. And the Qumrans washed three and four times a day because they wanted to be clean to work with Scripture. Well, they were pious. They were doing what they were told they had to do. You've got to be clean. You've got to be clean. But remember, we've talked about this. Religion tells you what to do. Christianity tells you that it's already done. 
So while they were taking their ceremonial bath up at Qumran, John was down at the Jordan River saying, repent, change your life, change what you're doing. Pious is not enough. You have to be prepared. Prepared for the coming of Christ. Not just in his day, but every day. This brings me to my conclusion, which is this, and, and we've talked about this before. Craig Rochelle wrote a wonderful book called Christian, Christian Atheist. And he says that there are three lines of faith that Christians need to address. And the first line is this. I believe in Jesus as my Savior as long as it benefits me. I want to sing the songs. I want to hear the stories. I want to hang out with God's people. But it's really not affecting my life. I'm only a Christian as much as it benefits me. The second line is this. I believe in Jesus as my Savior enough to contribute comfortably. So I, I write a check and I, I put it in the offering box. And if they're having a, a leaf raking weekend or a flower planting weekend or something that we need to do together, I'll come as long as I don't have something else more important. But that third line, the line that John calls us to, that line that says, I trust God enough to let somebody hold me under the water and bring me back up, says, I believe in Jesus as my Savior enough to give my whole life to him. That's what John's message is. Whether you hear it in the play Godspell, whether you hear it at Handel's Messiah, whether you hear it at King's Community Baptist Church, John calls us, prepare the way of the Lord. Pious is not enough. You have to be prepared. Amen.